Hi, and welcome to episode one of the Is It Me podcast. My name is Tad Lemire. I'm one of the hosts of the Tad and Drex radio show on B98.5 in Atlanta. I'm in therapy, and my therapist, Chantel Cohen, and I have become great friends and realize that many times I go into her office with a head full of steam, asking her what's wrong with people, and then through our conversation, I learn that, well, it might actually be me and not the rest of the world. So each episode will feature actual therapy sessions that hopefully everybody will get a little something out of. Episode one, though, we start out by talking to Chantel to get to learn a little bit more about her and what got her into becoming a therapist and life coach in the first place. How did you get into becoming a therapist? What drew you to it? Well, I wasn't drawn to it so much as I was I was pulled into it by personal experience I had an identity crisis Um, I call it that because I don't know what else to call it but I was raised by my grandparents and uh, when I was nine years old I found out that my parents who I thought were my parents were actually my grandparents I knew that I didn't look like them I just thought it was different Um, and so because my grandparents were loving and they were wonderful it was shocking and I remember um you know, when my grandmother told me she was washing my hair and she was drinking a beer too while she was washing my hair. And so I asked her (laughs) if she was drunk and she said, no, this is the truth. And we've been waiting to tell you this. And I was very surprised, but I do think in my little nine-year-old gut, it all made sense. Um, But then I couldn't make sense of, well, gosh, you know, why aren't my, my real parents here? Right. Even though I couldn't have had a better childhood. Like, I have no complaints. I had a great childhood, but I went through an identity crisis. My bio mom moved to the city that I lived in when I was 13. And there was a lot of tension between my grandmother and my mother for uh, lack of a better phrase for my attention and affection and love. And so there was a lot of... um, battling between them and as a result I got to know my mom quite well and um, and it was just it was tough because in a lot of ways I was like my mom but from 9 to 13 I had kind of daydreamed as to how she was going to be so different from my grandparents my grandmother was 36 when I was born and so they were ancient compared to all the other parents (laughs) They were super, they were in their 40s, you know, when I was, you know, 10 years old. Oh my gosh, I was in my 40s (laughs) when my kid was born. (laughs) So because of that, I just felt like, God, they're so old and they were super old fashioned, you know, really strict about dinner times. We always had dinner at the same time and, and so forth. And so I went through this right around 17, 18, I really started to struggle with, why did my parents give me up even though I knew that it was uh, kind of by happenstance that my parents got pregnant with me in college and my grandparents offered to look after me while my mom finished college and my parents didn't marry Uh, they had no plans on marrying but there was always a plan for me to kind of go back and and uh, live with my mom and etc and that my grandparents just um, they loved me and they didn't want me to go back with my mom. So they were, your grandmother was a kind of in competition with your mom yes, for, because she was so. jealous once you started hanging out. So and uh, my how mom does that, was jealous too. Wasn't, it, it went both ways. But yet 
there's probably a lot of resentment over, well, guess what? We raised your daughter and now you're trying to mm -hmm. conveniently. But how did this like so did it screw you up psychologically? And so through trying to figure out your own stuff, you were like, I can do this for other people. Well, it was through that identity crisis. I didn't I I don't know. I just didn't have a sense where I felt I felt directionless. I just wondered who I was in the whole mix. And so I decided to see a woman named Susan Diskin. And I was working at uh, UCLA at the Neuropsychiatric Institute at the time. I was a receptionist there and she used to come in and she was always just really nice. You know, I'd see her patients come in and so forth. And I just decided that I, I needed to work on myself or I wasn't going to feel right. You know, I felt insecure. I just... Um, it's it's hard to I don't feel that way now although I do have moments of insecurity but but not having this feeling of not quite being enough mm -hmm. and um, and so I just didn't have any direction in my life and so I saw her for two and a half years I did not have a car I spent 300 bucks in therapy a month and back in the 90s it was a lot of money I was taking the bus that's a lot of money now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a lot. And she, you know, but it was the best money I'd ever spent. I mean, I found my profession. I found myself. Um, I had a deeper appreciation of my grandparents because um, there was a little bit of resentment as to why they didn't tell me at first. Why did I grow up thinking, you know, it I felt deceived mm -hmm. in some ways. Um but then also felt abandoned a little bit by my parents. So it was just, it, it, she was amazing. I just found myself in that process and the way I went about school, the way I approach relationships was just completely different. Believe it or not, um, about maybe a year and a half after that, I met Kevin, my husband. Yeah, so I met Kevin when I was 22 years old. Hmm. While you're going to therapy. Or while uh, you're studying to become a therapist, you were done. I with was finished at that. Are point. Are you ever finished with therapy? <laughs> I don't think so. And it's interesting. So, from what you're saying, is that you found therapy to be so helpful for you that you felt a calling to learn. And there's a lot of schooling by it. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to do this. It sounds like right. fun. Like you dedicated yourself to because you saw the benefits of mental health. Yeah. And I think that that's okay. one of the bigger picture reasons of why we decided to do this podcast is because both of us have benefited from therapy, yeah, that's whether very, it's very true. directly like I benefit from you being my therapist, but also I benefited from my stepfather getting therapy after years right. of he and I not getting along. And I'm sure we'll get into this in future episodes because there's a lot to what you would say unpack there. But he and I just went at it. Like from the moment I was four years old, my parents were divorced. When I was seven years old, he and my mom got married. And I always felt like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't doing anything right. He was just downright mean to me. And as the years went on, I become more and more distant from him and I write him off, but I never understood. Why do you dislike me so much? In 1998, oh, I was a, a little guy. Too. I was seven years old. It's crazy. In 1998, I was about to get married for the first time. And I got a letter in the mail and it was his handwriting. He had a very distinct handwriting, like 
crazy handwriting and uh like i just remember killer. it's like he was holding <laughs> <laughs> it was like he was holding the pen like he was stabbing the paper you know and uh so i saw that and i was like what does this <laughs> want and it was a letter from him and he said that he had been in therapy and that through therapy he had realized that this whole time and we're talking about what 20 something years this whole time he had been in competition with me for my mother's attention. And if you, now that I'm an adult, I understand it, but as a seven-year-old, I didn't. But what was behind his whole thing? And he was apologizing and he was saying, if there's anything I can do, and I'd really like to have a relationship with you. And even at that time, I was like, sure, we'll see how it- You, like, didn't, you didn't really believe it. Even no. though he had reached out and you got this letter and it was totally unexpected, there was a part of right. you that was really pretty skeptical I had about been the whole thing. I had been trained to be skeptical of anything because I was just like, yeah, right. It had been so long. We had been warring for so long that I, I was like, it cannot. Chantel, let me tell you, from that moment on, and I burst into tears as soon as I opened that letter, I mean, and I read what he had written, uh, 20 years of anger, resentment, sadness, frustration, all of these 20 years of that you, came pouring out of my eyes. You felt him in that letter. It sounds like it was really heartfelt and, mm -hmm. and genuine, even though you had a little skepticism. The next time I went home, and for like the last 11 years of his life, he passed away in 2009. He and I went to ball games. We sometimes talked on the phone, unheard of for he wow. and I. We got along famously. We confided, we, we became the what we could have become for those 20 years. So I'm sad that he did not get therapy earlier to figure that out. And believe you me, I was not without blame for any of the, I mean, certainly a seven-year-old, like I, so he handed down to me a bunch of problems that I've been trying to. What do, you, what do to, you think he's handed down to you? So I found that from my relationship with him, I found myself getting into relationships with people where no matter what I did, it wasn't good enough for them. Because you gotta understand, growing up, right. he'd be like, go stack the wood. And I'm I'm not sure if that's exactly what he said, but just like, that's how I heard it. Go stack the wood. And I would stack the wood, hoping that he would be like, great job with the wood. Thanks, buddy. Now we can go play catch. And I would come back and he would be like, I'd be like, hey, I finished the wood. And he would be like, go do this. You know, sort of it was, it was It was never good. And there was no, it sounds like there was an acknowledgement of all your effort and and again back then people weren't good job buddy but at least there was some acknowledgement that hey okay we're done with this task let's go do something else let's and go get ice cream like right. how i am with my own kid now it's like hey man like i don't even ask him to do anything or at least four years old but <laughs> you know if he did something like that i'd be like awesome job like i never got that and i think that's why now in life like some of the more recent kind of stuff that we've talked about like, why am I on the radio? Why do I do what I do for a living? Like, all of that might come from my sort of need for acceptance, my desire to have somebody, like, say, that a boy. But then you're never really addressing the problem. And I think that the higher calling, the reason why we wanted to, like, do this in the first place, to have this yeah. podcast in the first place, is because we both benefited from therapy. We both appreciate therapy. And... We owe a lot to therapy. I mean, you saved my marriage. My oh, previous um, therapist helped me out of my previous marriage, and I feel like it was for the right reasons. And to address these 
issues that you may or may not have, if you're unhappy, if you don't. And the thing about therapy, isn't it interesting that if you had a bad heart or a bad knee or a bad any other organ in your body, you would have no problem talking about it. But if you have a bad brain or a sick brain or you need some sort of, if that's the organ that you're dealing with, then it seems sort of taboo. There's a lot of shame surrounding uh, mental health issues that that I think is the most painful that I, I say to to people all the time that I'm their dirty little secret, you know, like that I'm the thing that they're the most ashamed of. To see a therapist, um, to even, I mean, life coaching is much more palatable, but when you have problems in your marriage, or like you said, you have a brain that uh, that works a little bit differently, that your neurotransmitters, uh, you know, are not pumping up as much dopamine, and so you're experiencing some sadness, et cetera, that somehow people just think, well, you know, you just need to think positively. Um, you know, and, and some of it can be around faulty thinking, but I, I really want to emphasize what you're saying is that there is a whole stigma around mental health that I think we're slowly chipping away at it. And so, I mean, I just want to piggyback on what you're saying that it's really important for us to have this conversation, you know, that even as a therapist, for me to kind of come out and talk about the reasons why I decided to get therapy, um, I hope it helps someone. You know, oftentimes therapists really want to remain a blank slate. But I do think that um, with life coaching, um, with so many of us listening to podcasts, being seekers, trying to find different ways to help ourselves, that being able to connect with someone um, that you feel um, embodies what it means to be a healthy person. And I, I honestly, I'm, I'm not trying to be braggadocious. I think I'm a healthy individual, but I've had my moments. And mm -hmm. if I can help a client and they can relate to me in that way, I'm okay with kind of using myself as that instrument to say, you know what, there's, there's not a stigma here. This is really good coping strategies when you decide that, man, I'm dealing with something and this is more than I can handle. Um, because if you, again, had high blood pressure, anything like that, you would go to see a specialist. And so I'm just that thought partner that helps clients take things to the next level. And I'm hoping that by telling my story that I can at least encourage people rather than being that blank slate, I'm hoping that unmasking myself, unmasking the process with you will help someone. You and your office are available. We're based in Atlanta, but you do VC. So if somebody's in a position and they're like, I really am connecting with Chantel, what sort of resources do you have available? If somebody's listening and they say they want to get in touch or they would like to seek services. I know it's not just you in your office too. So the the benefits of is that I'm a coach and a therapist. So in Atlanta, I can only contract as, well, it depends on what my clients need, but I can con contract as both. But if somebody wanted to seek my services outside of Atlanta, I can only contract as a relationship coach or a life coach with them. Um, the nice thing is, is I also have a degree as a, a therapist as well, um, but I would contract with them as for coaching. So that's, those are 
the constraints of, of laws, etc. You can go to ChantelCohen.com. I have a team and I have uh, Jackie Frey who is getting licensure in Georgia and Florida as a, a therapist, as well as she is a life coach, a certified life coach. I have Jeannie Sokol, who is amazing. She is um, Georgetown Law. She's a lawyer. She Yale undergrad, but uh, found that uh, law was not her thing, and so became a life coach. She's Amazing. I've, I've talked yeah, to her a bunch. We had some Game of Thrones events that we <laughs> were able to talk she to. She is a- amazing. And so not only is she a heavy hitter in the education department, but she's an outstanding life coach. She can see anyone anywhere in the country, um, as well as Jackie, too. Jackie is also a certified coach and can see anyone in the country. And for that matter, even around the world, We have capabilities that allow us to see anyone, anywhere. And then there's Kendra, who is a uh, a licensed therapist, and she's amazing. She's a licensed uh, professional counselor, and she can see folks just in Georgia, but she is amazing. She is one of those folks who really gets down deep, gets lots of homework. Um, She's also not only a thought partner, but she's uh, very practical in her approach as well. So I, I'm really proud of my team. They're excellent. So don't think that if you go to ChantelCone.com that you have to just see me. I vetted these folks. They're amazing. We all uh, meet. We, um, we discuss clients so that we make sure that we give best-in-class services, that we're always trying to make sure that we protect our clients while also offering the best services possible. So um, hopefully you will go to ChantelCohen.com. And Tad, I just want to say that I appreciate you so much. I don't want to get emotional, but Mm. I really appreciate you. He has been, uh, he's enriched my life. I just thought he was going to be just this ordinary client. And not that my clients are ordinary, but um, you're special and I so appreciate you. I'm, I'm honored to be able to work with you. He's super talented. I'm just hanging on to his coattails. And, <laughs> and anyway, um, thank you. No. And thank you for the work that you're doing. It's amazing. Yeah. And trust me, you're special in that. I love the way that you are so hands-on. That's why we call it the, is it me podcast? Because I often ask you, is it me? And you're like, well, it may not be, but let's see what part of it is you. And it's so helpful. So thank you again for listening. Um, There will be future episodes. And if you want to get in touch, again, ChantelCohen.com. You can fire away with your questions. You can reach me at Tad at B985.com. Thanks, Chantel. Thank you, Tad. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. The Is It Me podcast. And that concludes episode one. Thanks for listening.